Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We are in a series entitled Jesus Said, and we're studying the parables. I think this is the last week that we're going to be doing the parables of Jesus. Um, I might surprise you and have another one next week. I'm trying to decide that right now, but it could be the last week. Um, But uh, we've been in, I think this is our eighth week, in the different parables that are found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the parables are really fictitious stories. Jesus actually made these stories up to supplement a truth that he was trying to share to a group of people or to his disciples or maybe even the Pharisees who were standing around. And he would share a truth and then this this parable would be an illustration of the truth. And many times parables carry deeper meanings and sometimes we miss some of the meanings in the parable. And that's what we're doing here is we're, we're taking time to study God's word and to discover what Jesus truly said. Amen. So I hope you've been enjoying this time. And this is one of those times where we're talking about the parables uh, found in the Gospels. Um, as we start today, I feel like it's really important to recognize how the kingdom of heaven is an incredibly important topic that Jesus often shared with the people. You, you will discover this when you read through the Gospels. As you read through it, you'll see where Jesus, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Many times he started his parables that way. There are more than 40 parables that you can find in the Gospels, um, different parables in the Gospels that Jesus shares. And this is a common theme in those parables is the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew alone, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus refers to the kingdom of heaven 29 different times. And one of the other topics that kind of ties real closely to the kingdom of heaven that Jesus shares about that is often not talked about in the church today is, is the rapture of the church or the second coming of Jesus Christ, his re- second return. And you might be sitting here today and all of a sudden I just gave you some information that you never knew about. You've, you've always heard about, you know, when Jesus came to this earth and he, and he came as our Savior. He became as, our, as the Lamb of God who became the sacrifice for our sins. We talk about that a lot, but many times the church doesn't talk a lot about the second coming of Christ, the second return of Jesus. You see, Jesus came to this earth. He performed many miracles. He shared many of his teachings. But his main purpose when he first came to this earth was to become the sacrifice for our sins. And he fulfilled many of the Old Testament prophecies when he did so. However, there's still more prophecies about the Messiah that have not yet been fulfilled. And the return of Jesus is when, we, when he will fulfill the remaining prophecies that we find. When Jesus first came in human form, he came as the Lamb of God. He came as a sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says he came as a humble servant. Listen to Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 28, and we're going to read a lot of scripture today, and I don't apologize for that because I believe the word of God is what changes our lives, amen? It's the spirit of God that changes us. So Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. In his second return, Jesus will be coming as the conquering king. No longer, I mean, he's still a humble servant, but he is coming as a conquering king in his second return. He's coming for his bride. He's coming for the church. The church is who? 
It's us. It's you and me. It's not a facility. It's not a building. It's not, it's not none of this equipment. The church is God's people. He's coming for his church. In Revelation chapter 19, it states that Jesus will arrive on a white horse with all of heaven's armies following him. Think about that thought. All of a sudden, the heavens, the, heavens, the clouds depart, and you see Jesus coming on a white horse and all of the armies of heaven, all the angels behind him. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes uh, Jesus' return in, in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to read this a couple times today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from the graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. This is going to be a glorious time for those who are followers after Jesus. It's going to be an amazing time for all of those who call Christ their Savior. But for those who have rejected Jesus as their Savior, this ushers in a time of judgment. And we don't talk a lot about that in the church today, but there is. There is a time of judgment. There is a time of punishment for those who haven't chosen to follow after Jesus. Um, so catch this. The second coming of Christ is really going to be a joyful time for his believers, for those who follow after him. But it's also going to be a sorrowful time for those who have rejected Jesus as their Savior. The parable we are examining today, the, the ten bridesmaids, found in Matthew 25. I don't remember if I said that yet or not. But I encourage you to turn to Matthew 25 and, and just stay there with me because we're going to refer back and forth to that parable today. But the, the, the parable that we're examining here today is a story that Jesus shared about the end times and the rapture of the church. See, Jesus was responding to a question that the disciples had posed to him. The disciples came to Jesus and said, and you'll find that in chapter 24 of Matthew, you'll see where the disciples started in the very beginning of chapter 4, 24, he starts, disciples come to, hey, Jesus, we know that you're talking about, hey, you're going to leave, and, and they didn't even understand all of that, but that you're going to leave, and, and then after you leave, you're going to come back, and, and you know, we would love to know uh, when that time is. Can you give us kind of an idea? Give us, you know, we want the inside scoop. We are your disciples, by the way, you know, so we should be able to do, is there going to be a signal? Is there going to be some kind of idea of when we know that you're going to return? And, and the scripture says, and Jesus replies that even he himself doesn't know the return. Only the heavenly father does. And so it's going to be a complete surprise. It's going to be, it's going to be something that none of us understand. None of us have, a, 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 we have, we might have a sense of the timing, but we don't know the day or the hour. Amen? So Jesus responding to this question that was posed by the disciples that happened on the Mount of Olives. And so we're studying the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And it's a parable about being spiritually ready for Jesus' return. And I want you to follow along with me as I share this parable starting in Matthew chapter 25, uh, starting in verse 1. Jesus' words. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. At midnight, they were, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come, in, come out and meet him. 
All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Heavy. If you don't know this yet, when you read the parable, some of them are a little heavy because they convict us. And so right now I just want to take a moment to pray because I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can just kind of help set us to hear God's word. Amen? So Lord, we thank you for today. And God, we enter into this time of hearing your word. And we ask, Lord God, that you would clarify that uh, it would become not just words on a page, but God, it would be the revelation that comes from you. I pray, Lord, that your words are not just um, something that bounces off of us, but, God, that they will take root in our lives. And that, Lord, your word will change us. This, the power of your spirit will change us, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. amen. If you said amen, you said so be it. So it's actually something's going to happen today. Anyhow, amen again. I love it. You guys are ready for church today. Um, now, for us to understand this parable... We kind of need to understand the customs uh, of Jesus' day regarding a Jewish wedding. A wedding was more like a festival. It wasn't like what we have today where you all of a sudden you have a wedding. We're planning our daughter's wedding or we're not really planning it. We're helping out. She's, she's a planner. Uh, she's uh, getting that wedding ready. It's happening up in the state of Washington. But it's, it's on one single day. It's going to be from like 4 o'clock to like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. We know the hours. It's, not a, you know, it's going to be a big event for us. But in Jesus' day... A marriage wasn't a one-day event. It was a festival. It could last for a week. It, it would go on for several days. This marriage was a huge event. And it was like a festival. And normally the groom would leave his home and go to the bride's home for the traditional ceremonies that would all take place. And then after the ceremonies were completed, there would be a parade down through the streets. And everybody would see the... the the groom and the bride walking down the streets in celebration because the groom would be taking his bride back to his home. It was, it was like this was, a, this was the signal that these two are married. And this parable, if you catch it, it depicts a beautiful picture of what's going to take place in our lives as believers. When Jesus returns to, for his bride, which is you and me, for his bride to take us home into heaven. This is how, why Jesus is sharing this parable, the ten bridesmaids. Normally, uh, when the parade started, the bridesmaids who had been assisting the bride, who would help her get ready, all these different things, would meet up with the groom to join the parade, but they were waiting for that time. But everyone in the parade were required to carry some kind of a lantern or some kind of a torch. Otherwise, you'd be considered someone who was kind of crashing the wedding. Any of you guys wedding crashers out there? Hopefully not. Uh, I've heard people, they go and they get great meals and everything. They crash their weddings. Well, they'd be considered a wedding crasher if they didn't have a lantern or a torch. They didn't truly belong. In this story, the bridesmaids, uh, in, in, in this story, all the bridesmaids were asleep when the bridegroom started coming down the street. 
Five of the bridesmaids were considered foolish because they did not have enough oil for their lamp to make the entire procession. Only five bridesmaids, the wise ones, were considered, they were considered wise because they had prepared enough to have enough oil to wait out this time, however long it was going to take, for the groom to come down and to take them. They would all head towards his house. And I want to explore several truths that are found in this parable today that I believe can be life-changing for us. The first thought is this. When you read this parable, you discover it's what's inside your life that really matters. When you look at the story, you will notice all the bridesmaids are waiting for the groom. They're all, they're all waiting for him, to, for him to come down the street. They all had their lamps for the wedding procession. They probably all looked very similar. They probably all had similar wedding garb. You know, if you go to a wedding here, many times all the bridesmaids will either have the same dress or something similar. And so when you walk into the room, you recognize, oh, that's a bridesmaid. So they probably had some, they probably all looked similar and in, in, in attire. And I, I imagine that's what would take place during that time. And, but the point of this parable is to illustrate that even though they looked like bridesmaids, catch this, even though they looked like bridesmaids, they were not ready for the groom's arrival. The appearance looked great. They looked like they were, they, they were part of it, but they were not ready for the groom's arrival. Why were they not ready? Because they were running out of the oil to wait for the groom's return. And when the groom finally arrives, they have nothing left. This parable so many times is super difficult for some people to, to, to take in because it challenges our relationship with Jesus. How is your relationship with Christ? And that's where we're going to head down. Because it really what matters in our life is what's happening on the inside of our life. Just like the bridegrooms, they looked like they were ready to go. But guess what? When it really came to that point of time, they were not ready, the five foolish bridesmaids. You see, the oil represents the spirit of God in your life. It represents your faith in Christ in such a way where the spirit of God is resting in your life. Without the oil inside of the lamp, the lamp becomes useless. Without the spirit of God inside of you, guess what? You spiritually become useless. We need the Spirit of God inside of our lives. It's the Spirit of God that actually makes us spiritually alive. Many times we become overly concerned. We live in an American culture. We become overly concerned about outward appearance. And this parable is talking about don't be so concerned about the outward appearance of your life. Be concerned about what's happening inside of your life. What's taking place inside of you. What's happening inside of our lives is what truly, really matters. This is why Jesus said to the woman of the well, it's one of my favorite parables, the Samaritan woman at the well, when, when she all of a sudden is at the well and Jesus makes this appointment with, with her. She doesn't know about the appointment, but he has an appointment with her. And he's, he's going to share about his love because this lady is lost. She's searching. She's married, married five different times. She's uh, living with a guy and while she's currently married. She's, she's a messed up gal. She's embarrassed about her entire life. And Jesus meets this Samaritan woman who he was not supposed to meet. And he meets her in such a way where all of a sudden he talks about there's a, there's a, there's a water that I can give you where you'll no longer be thirsty ever again. There's a love that I can give you if you want to step into that love where all of a sudden you're not be searching anymore. It's going to fill that void where you're searching, that black hole where you need something in your life that you've been searching for. Guess what? It's I. I am the Savior. I am the Messiah. And when you start to catch this picture, because she was all confused. She was asking Jesus, man, 
even how to worship. You guys worship here. I, I remember she was about outward appearance. She was about outward things. And Jesus says, there is a day coming where you're no longer going to worship on this mountain or on that mountain. You're going to worship the Savior in spirit and in truth. There's something powerful when we understand the Holy Spirit living in us, the, the Spirit of God that's walking, that is in our life that helps us walk out this life. Let me share it this way. The Apostle Paul does a better job than I do. Romans chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. Paul writes, those who still are living under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, in them do not belong to him at all. Did you catch that last sentence? We have to have the Spirit of God in us to be recognizable for that day. That's what's going to set us apart from everything else is the Spirit of God living in us. See, we don't belong to this world. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. But here's the wonderful truth that I want you to catch about your salvation. When you make that decision to choose to follow after Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in him, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit seals your salvation. It's the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. When you come at the time of salvation, you're given the Spirit of God, because he's the one that seals and sets you apart. Here's the thing that so many times we miss in our lives. I may share this. It might be totally new for some of you. Many times what we miss is this. We don't ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We don't ask for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, we come to the one event of our salvation, but then we need to pray. We need to ask God, fill me with your Spirit, Lord. Help me walk each and every day, Lord God, honoring you. Help me, Lord God, to continue to overcome sin. You see, it's the power of his spirit that helps you lead and walk through this life. Because this life is difficult. And to try to do it on your own, let me just give you a secret here. You're going to fail. Spiritually, you're going to fail. You might succeed, you know, in all other ways. But spiritually, you're going to fail because it's only with Christ and Christ alone. It was only through Jesus Christ. We need to have a relationship with Jesus. And many people miss that step. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Think about this. You can't be filled with something Unless you're willing to consume that something. You can't be filled with something unless you're willing to be consumed with that something. It's why the scripture states, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever heard that statement? Taste and see that the Lord is good. God wants us to consume ourselves with his word, with the power of his spirit in our lives. Because it's the power of his spirit that changes our life. What's inside of your life is what really matters. How many of you guys ever... Eating junk food? Come on, confess your sins right now. It's church. You're all absolved right there. Here you go. You know, you, I told my wife the other day, I said, man, because we've been trying to eat clean, you know, on a good diet and stuff. And, and uh, I've just, there's this little pizza place that, oh my gosh, 
it, it starts to, I start to dream about it. It might be the place we go for lunch today. I don't know. It's so good. It, it's Italian-made. It's a, or no, New York-style pizza. And, and oh, man, it's, it, you know, I love the meat one where there's all kinds of meat. Just pile the meat on top of it. And, and then I eat it. And I just I crave it. And, and, I, and, and Come on, you guys. Are, and you can't control yourself, you know. And you start eating. You can't. And all of a sudden, every, you start feeling it because you haven't you've been eating clean. All of a sudden, you start and put so, so you just all this stuff, and it's like you know, you wash it down with whatever you kids probably washing it down with Mountain Dew, and then a Red Bull past that, and you go, you wonder why you're not feeling good. It's all this stuff that you. We were pastoring in Las Vegas years ago, and Brett's probably tired of me sharing the story, but I'm sharing it for the second time today. We used to. Uh, I used to go, we didn't have a facility, so we had to go set up church in a theater or a school or wherever it was. And the, all the kids would wake up early with me and we'd get in the truck and I'd have to go pick up the trailer and we'd go take it down there and go start setting up church. And, and we, we, had, we had a pretty sized church in, uh, in Vegas. I was the executive pastor there. And, and uh, I'd go buy Krispy Kreme donuts. And uh, donuts are a part of my life, just FYI. I try to, you know, I'm trying to keep it to once or twice a week at the most. But we go to Krispy Kreme donuts. We buy 20 dozen donuts to take to the church. True statement. And, we, and so on that morning, a friend of mine, Paul Anderson, was with us too. And we were, uh, I think he had like two, he can correct the story later, but I think he had like two chocolate Krispy Kreme donuts. And then he washed it down with strawberry, uh, strawberry milk, you know. And uh, it was like 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. in the morning. He had hardly any sleep the night before. And, and yeah, I'm a horrible parent. I realize that. Don't, do, don't parent your child like I did, okay? Just, just do it God's way. And so, um, so we're, we're driving in the truck and we're heading to church. And all of a sudden, Brett said, I don't feel good, Dad. When Brett said, I don't feel good, it was already too late. He would wait to the last moment because he never wanted to disappoint. He'd always wait, 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 put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. Oh, I don't feel good, Dad. And it was like, oh, my goodness. And we, there was a bag. They, they put like three or four boxes of donuts in one bag. And we had one in front there. Anderson, our, my friend, he grabbed the bag and he threw it over by Brett. And all of a sudden, everything inside of him, everything that he had consumed came out. And I don't know if you're, if you're squeamish. I'm sorry. But I'm going somewhere. This is not just a dumb illustration. I'm going somewhere. Everything inside of him came out. Just destroyed. We wiped down the boxes. We still served. No, we did not. It destroyed. You guys thought it was. It destroyed the donuts. Okay. I mean, everything in him came out at that point. And I started thinking about how we consume God. How we can consume the word of God. How we can consume the power of the spirit of God. How all of a sudden we get so much of God in us that there's no more control in us. It's going to come out somewhere. It's just going to pour out of us because we have consumed the power of God in our lives. We have a prayer connection with the Lord. We are worshiping the Lord. We're praying each and every day. We're reading his word. We're asking him, Lord, fill me with your power of your spirit. All of a sudden, something takes place. And all of a sudden, change in our life starts to happen. Because we're filling ourselves with the Spirit of God. This parable reminds us, it's what's inside of you that really matters. Make sure it's the Spirit of the Lord. The second truth I want to share from this parable is this. Prepare now for your future. Don't delay don't, oh, I can do it tomorrow. 
Jesus divides the ten bridesmaids into two groups. Five of them were considered wise and five of them were considered foolish. What was the difference between the wise and the foolish? The only difference between the two was that ones that had the oil, that had prepared for the journey, they were ready. They had brought extra oil along with the journey where the other ones had no preparation. They weren't prepared that, that the bride, that, that bridegroom was going to be away for a longer time than they had expected. So how do you prepare for Jesus' return? I believe worshiping, worshiping together as the body of Christ on a weekly basis is so important in the factor of, of spiritual growth. But that should never be the extent of our preparation. Our growth in our relationship with Jesus needs to extend beyond these walls. It needs to extend beyond the church building. It's taking personal time to continue to grow and pray and, and to open up God's word in your life and to read God's word. And, and, and turning off the talk radio, turning off Fox News, turning off CNN, turning off whatever you might be watching. And you might, turn on some praise music. Turn on some worship in your house and start changing the environment of your life because it's that relationship that you need if you want to spend all of eternity with God. Some of you are following newscasters instead of following Jesus. I don't, I, I very seldom, if you're a guest with I'm so sorry, because I very seldom do that. But man, I felt it in my spirit. Why? Because Pastor Tom was doing that. I can get so caught up in the political stuff and everything else that I just think the world is going to crash and go to hell. And guess what? God is in control. He is in control. I'm not following a political person or I pray for my president, and not that I don't follow the laws, but I follow Christ first in everywhere, every of my life. And that's what, that's what all, we, all of us need to be doing that. And the only way that you're going to be able to follow Jesus is if you're spending time with Jesus. It's in those alone times. Many times we have a tendency to procrastinate doing what's really important in our life. We think that there's always tomorrow. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you will say, you know, in, in June, well, I'm going to start my diet right after the holidays. There's no holidays until Christmas time, but I'm going to start my diet after the holidays. Okay. You know, I'm going to start exercising as soon as the weather turns nice. You live in Orange County. What are you talking about? You know, it's that delay. You know, I'm going to, I am going to start investing. As soon as my next raise comes through, I'm going to start investing. Some of you right now, if you're my age, you're wishing that you would invest in more when you were younger, right? It's that delay that gets us in trouble. It's the delay of the, of the five bridesmaids that got them in trouble. And they missed out on the return of the groom. They missed out on the return of Christ. Many times in life, we can look prepared. The ten bridesmaids, they all look prepared. We can look like we have our lives all together. But in reality, there might be something a little different. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, and Jesus, man, he would encounter them all the time. I talk about them a lot because I feel like sometimes in the church we have to fight against that. We have a tendency to want to become religious with Jesus instead of be relational with Jesus. And the Pharisees were religious. They had all the cool rules. They had all the neat robes. They had all the little sashes that they put on and all the different things, tassels, things. And they looked, they knew how to pray. Many of them had memorized the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible by the time they were 10 years old or five years old. I mean, they were, they were amazing, you know, godly appearance. But when Jesus came, he says, hey, you don't even know me. 
Because, see, they got so caught up in religion that they had no relationship with Jesus. Our lives need to be about having a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is reminding us in this parable, you don't need to, you can't wait. Because guess what? The return is coming. And when that time comes, you need to be ready. Another interesting thought in this scripture, it states that the bridesmaids fell asleep as they were waiting for the groom. And sometimes you might read this parable and you think that's a bad thing. The parable never says that anything is bad about the bride, bridesmaids falling asleep. The only focus on the parable is that of those who were not ready for the, bride, for the groom. I, I think about it like this. Um, if you're a fire person or if you know how the fire department works, you know, fire, the fire person could be in the firehouse. They can be in the fire department. But, you know, they don't stay awake for 72 hours. They sleep. Right? They go to sleep. But they're ready. They are ready when the bell rings. When the fire alarm goes off, they are ready. I mean, they already have all, all of their equipment. They already have all the resources ready where they just literally step into their coat. Boom, they're on. They're down the fire pole and they're onto the fire truck. And they're, I don't know if they're still fire poles, but they, hopefully there is. But they're onto the fire truck and they're heading to the fire. They're not going to miss that opportunity. They're going to, they're going to make sure they're going to save that house. They're going to, they're, they are ready and they are prepared. And Jesus says, you know what? You don't know the time. You don't know the hour. You don't know the time when my return is. You just need to be ready. Are you prepared? As Christ followers, we are ready for when the trumpet sounds. And catch this. It doesn't even matter if we're physically alive. It only matters that we are spiritually alive with Jesus. I don't, you go, well, Pastor Tom, I'll share it in a second here. Let's go back to that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. You never know when this physical life can be over. But let me give you a true statement here. Once it's over, your time to prepare is done. The five wise bridesmaids. Because see, many times when the Bible talks about someone being asleep, it's really talking about physical death. You see, just FYI, we're all going to partake in the rapture. We're all going to partake in the second coming of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're alive or dead. We're going to partake in that process. And it's going to be amazing. And I want to be prepared. And I want you to be prepared today. So begin today preparing for your eternity by putting your trust and faith in God. My last statement. And this is short. So if you're getting hungry, stop it. Just wait. You'll be fine. The pizza will wait. The New York style pizza will wait. The last important truth I want to share with you today is this. You can't depend on the faith of others. You can't. Your relationship with Jesus cannot be dependent upon someone. You see, the five foolish wise uh, bridesmaids, they were dependent upon the, the, the five wise bridesmaids. The foolish ones were thinking they were going to be able to borrow the oil from the wise ones to be able to fill. And they said, wait, wait, we don't have enough. You have to go get your own. While they were going getting their own, they missed when the groom came by. Your faith cannot be relying on Pastor Tom. Your faith cannot be relying on, on your parents or on your grandparents. 
Your faith in Jesus Christ stands alone. You have to make that right. Years ago when we were in Las Vegas, uh, Annette and I, my wife and I, we knew a, a lady in our, in our church who was a, um, a masseuse. And uh, she, would, she knew Celine Dion. And so she would go up to Celine Dion's house, you know, a couple times a week, and she would give Celine a massage. So, so it was kind of cool knowing this lady, and she knew Celine, and she'd come home, and, or she would go to church, and she would share with us what was happening that week. Not anything super personal, but in reality, what's taking place was kind of like, Annette and I started feeling like we knew Celine. You know, because she's sharing all these cool stories, like, oh, and we actually went to one of Celine's concerts there in Vegas, and it was like, oh my gosh, this lady can sing, it was incredible, and, and all that, and, and you know, we started to feel like, man, we actually know her in that sense that, but even though we never really met her, but, we, you know, but through her, from this lady, we kind of, you know, felt like it was cool, but let's just, let me tell a parable today, Tom's parable, not nearly as good as Jesus' parables. But can you imagine if I would walk up to Celine's house? Not, not like I could ever get in past security. So this, this is why it's a fictitious story. But can you imagine if I got to Celine's house and got to the front door and I knocked on her door. And Celine opened the door. And I go, I'm Tom. And she was like, and who are you? I don't know you. Get away from me. I might know about Celine. I don't have a relationship with someone. You might know about Christ, but that's not going to be enough. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. That's where our faith needs to stand upon. And we have our relationship with Christ when we invite the Spirit of God to move and move inside of our lives. Jesus said to the five foolish bridesmen when they finally arrived to the banquet and they were knocking on the door and Lord, Lord, open the door. They said, believe me, I don't know who you are. Our responsibility is this as a church. And if you don't know our vision statement at this church is this. It's to create an environment to see what God can do through us. What does that mean, Pastor Tom? For me, it's to create in such an environment where my relationship with Christ is continually growing. Where I have an opportunity to know Christ more than ever before. Each day, I want to have a greater relationship with Jesus. Because that's who I'm spending all of eternity with. When that trumpet sounds, I'm jumping, guys. And, you know, I'll wave, guys. I'll say, hey, no, but I'm heading up, man. And I hope each and every person is coming with me. I hope every person is coming with me. But you're not coming on my curtails. You're not going on your grandparents' curtails or your parents' curtails. You're only going on the faith of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for your word today. It's powerful. It's effective. And it's life-changing. I pray today that your word will take deep root into our heart and into our life. That it won't just be trampled on the roadside. It won't just fall among the weeds where it gets kind of choked out. But Lord God, you'll find good fertile soil that it will start to grow in our heart and in our life. And it will be life-changing for each and every one of us. If you're here today and you've never made a choice to follow after Jesus... I want to declare, declare to you today, today is the day of salvation. You don't delay on this. You never know when death might come knocking. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying the truth. Because after death, it's too late. you got to have a relationship today. And I want you to start that journey today with me. I want you to start that journey. If you're watching this online, I want you to start the journey today. 
And I just want to, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because, you know what, this could be between you and God. I want to hear about it. If you choose to accept Christ today and choose to follow Him, man, just send me a text or let me know. Call the office or let us know online because this is a time of celebration. But if you're here today and you want to make that commitment, I want you to say this prayer with me. I want the entire church to say this prayer with me. Will you do so? Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you. I turn away from my sin. I turn towards you. Give me the power of your spirit. Help me to do what is right. I love you, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Eyes open for just right now. If this word touched you, if this word impacted you, if this word has challenged you, good! That's what it should be. If the word of God doesn't challenge you, then you have a problem. I'm just stating the truth. When I study God's word, it challenges me. It challenges every area of my life. So today, if you are stepping on, you say, man, Pastor, I'm just struggling and I have such a hard time. Guess what? Maybe your relationship with Christ is just not close enough. Because when the Spirit of God lives inside, not saying you'll never make a mistake, not saying that you won't struggle with sin at times in your life, but the more of the Spirit of God in you, the less you're going to struggle with sin. And the Lord, the more you're going to follow Him. So I encourage you today, allow that, that growth in your life to take place. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.